0: Good to have you here tonight. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Samuel 28 tonight. 1 Samuel 28, as we continue through the life of David, David is in a spot now of not trusting the Lord. We saw that last week as he went from En Gedi and traveled all the way back across the mountain ranges there to the the country of the Philistines, to the country of Gath, and started to serve as it were underneath the king King Achish of Gath and was in a lying relationship with him trying to live out in the country with his 600 men and and live in a city and lie about what he was doing that he was attacking the Israelites when he was actually attacking cities of the Philistines. And we would see that as a good thing and it was a good thing. Uh, God's enemies were being judged but David was not where he was supposed to be. David was told to dwell in the land of Judah by the prophet Gad. And because of that, he's he's seeking security in something that other, other than what God told him. And it was very clear at the end of that, David starts getting into a mess. In fact, let's read just the first couple verses of chapter 28 there of 1 Samuel. And it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. And Achish said unto David, Know thou assuredly that thou shalt go out with me to battle, thou and thy men. And David said unto Achish, Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore will I make thee the keeper of my head forever. So, So again, Achish has fallen for this hook, line, and sinker. Uh, David doesn't say, "I'm going to help you." He says, "You know what I can do." And uh, here, this this is this is the the predicament now that David has gotten himself into because he did not have faith. He did not live by faith in this moment of his life. Now, verse three and, and onward in this chapter is going to be uh, a narrative where we we go back to Israel and we find out what's happening in the life of Saul. And uh, look now with me at, at verse 3 of chapter 28. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that, that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together... And they pitched in Gilboa. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Let's pray. Father, I do pray that tonight, Lord, that you would help us to see from these negative examples of David and Saul how they did not trust you in these moments of their life. Lord, how that we as Christians can truly live by faith. We can make that choice to live by faith and trust you in your faithfulness to us. To, to, to not just hear prayer, but answer prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. In those days, it was not uncommon for the king to, to seek wisdom of the Lord, to inquire of the Lord. And uh, in verse 3 also is, is a credit to Saul, where it says Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. So here are some good things as we see it, we think that Saul is doing. He's not just, he's not just seeking the Lord, but he's also putting away those things that are not of God, the witchcraft that's in the land there. But when the Philistines bring their armies to come to battle with Israel, and, and Saul goes up there. He inquires of the Lord, but the Lord does not answer Saul. Now, why do you think that is? What? He's not doing what the Lord, He's not doing what the Lord wants for him. He has disobeyed the Lord. And that happened back when, when uh, he did not obey with the Amalekites. Well, what, so why is this happening to Saul? Saul. Uh, Psalm 66, verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And in the very next verse of that chapter, in verse 19 of chapter 66, David is able to say with confidence, But verily God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. But Saul's not able to say that. Saul is not able to with confidence uh, say that God is going to answer my prayer. He's not able to expect that because he's regarding the iniquity in his hearts, the disobedience to the Lord in regards to what he told him to do with the Amalekites and how he saved the king and how he saved the best of the sheep and the best of the cattle for sacrifice and disobeyed God. So what should have happened here? As, as, as Saul is on the be- this, this camping out in Galboa, as he sees on this amazing battlefield, really, between him and the Philistines camped off, he's been in this situation before. And and there was a, a young man that came up and said, is there not a cause? And, and he's, he's been in this situation, camped across from the Philistines before. And he goes to the Lord, and the Lord doesn't hear him. What should have happened? And I'm just going to give us an example of another leader in the Bible who needed clarity in this moment, but there was sin in the way. And so t- uh, take a look at with me if you can turn over to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. It was a leader that had sin in the way, and it wasn't necessarily his own sin, uh, but his sin and the sin of the people that he claims. And, and, and Daniel needed clarity for what was happening in his day when the Israelites were rebelling against God and they were taken into captivity. Lord, what is happening here? And you look down at verse 3 of Daniel chapter 9, and it says, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. In those days, sackcloth and ashes was a way to show humility before God. Do you see Saul doing that at all? Is there any humility shown there? No, It's it, this is a totally different response. Verse 4, And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love Him and to them that keep His commandments. I, I find it interesting. I'm just going to bring this out because we talked about this the last several Sundays. I find it interesting that Old Testament Christians had the same focus as New Testament Christians should have today. It says at the end of verse 4, the the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. Our goal is to perfectly love God and to keep his commandments. Verse 5, We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from the precepts and from thy thy judgments. Neither have we, Hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in the name name of to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee. Now look down at verse 9 with me. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. To walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have, tra- have transgressed against thy law, <clears throat> even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Even the curse is poured out upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. Now look down to verse 20. And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin, notice he's not just confessing the sin of the people, my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel Whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the same time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth. I'm going to stop there. Notice what Gabriel says to him. When you started praying, the command for me to come came forth what did what was the start of of his prayer confession it was saying god me and my people we've sinned against you there needs to be a humbling and it starts with me and that's what he's saying here and and that response was a response in a faith to God that God was going to hear and that God was going to answer him. Now let's turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 28. That is not the response that we see coming from Saul. Saul is, is, is not, he, when, when he does not hear God, his response is not one of faith in the faithfulness of God. It's not one that banks on an answer from God it's not one that confesses and gets desperate before God. Instead, he does this. Look at, at 1 Samuel 28 and verse 7. Then said Saul unto his servant, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said, unto, uh, said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit in, at Endor. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment and he went, and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, I pray thee, divine unto me the familiar spirit, and bring me, up, uh, bring me him up whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done, how, that he, how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life? to cause me to die. And Saul swore unto her by the Lord saying as the Lord liveth there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Then said the woman whom shall i bring up unto thee? And he said bring me up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel she cried with a loud voice and the woman spake unto Saul saying why hast thou uh, the woman spake unto Saul saying why hast thou deceived me for thou art Saul so in this longer part of the narrative, Saul decides to go to to really uh, a, a witch and, and asks her to to bring up Samuel. And uh, however, the witch is scared to do this thing because of what Saul has done. He's given a command that this all is to stop in the land of Israel. And I th- I find it interesting that in this passage that Saul. She didn't know it was Saul at that point, but he, he makes an oath to the, uh, with the Lord uh, saying there's not going to be any harm coming to you. And he, and he uses the name of the Lord and it's not even the, the Lord that he's serving at this point. And really, the, the question still uh, is begged then, is this truly Samuel that's coming up? Is this truly Samuel that's going to come up and talk to Saul, or is this just the trickery of a witch here that's, that's talking to Saul? What is God doing here? If, if this is truly Samuel, uh, then God is not condoning witchcraft. God is not condoning something. What, what is her response here? Look at verse 12. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. This was not something that was supposed to happen. She was scared out of her wits. She was surprised, and I don't know if that's because she was used to tricking people into thinking that they were talking to people or because it was just a a sight, but this was something that she was not expecting. She was surprised, and so God here, I believe, is bringing—he's the one bringing up Samuel. He's not condoning witchcraft or the seeing of a psychic— or anything like that. I believe it's God allowing this, you, working in this, these unusual circumstances to bring up Samuel, to, to give to Saul one last message of judgment. So look with me at verse 13 as we see that happen. And the king said to her, Be not afraid, for what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw God's ascending out of the earth. And he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, an old man cometh up. Notice that, that's another reason I would believe that she's not the one bringing him up. This this man's coming up, I'm, I'm just seeing this. See, a woman who is using a familiar spirit is able, because demonic power is real, is able to see into the spiritual realm, but the Lord is the one controlling the situation here. <clears throat> so he... he An old man cometh up, verse 14, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. And Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God is departed from me, and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee that thou mayest uh, make known unto me what I shall do. And really now here, in these next few verses, really in the next four verses, there are going to be four things that Samuel uh, declares to Saul as a final judgment on his life, really a message of doom. This is not going to be a good thing for Saul. Verse 16, Then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me? "...seeing the Lord is departed from thee, and has become thine enemy. And the Lord hath done to him as he spake by me. For the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand, and given it to thy neighbor, even to David. Because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executed his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day." Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow thou thou and thy sons uh, uh, thou shalt be with me. And the Lord also shall deliver the hosts of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. So there's four things here that he delivers to Saul. He says, listen, the Lord is your enemy. The Lord is your enemy. Why are you coming to me? That's at the end of verse 16. The Lord has departed from thee and has become thine enemy. Why are you coming to me when you already know God is your enemy? He hasn't spoken to you, and you think he's going to speak through me to you. There's a problem here between you and God that needs to be solved this way. A uh, second thing that he says to him is at the end of verse 17, for the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand and given it to, uh, it to thy neighbor, even to David. Now, Saul already knew this. We've seen Saul already communicate this to David in conversations that they've had, where he says, surely you're going to be the king of Israel, David. You know, I, I, and, and here, Samuel has never told that to Saul, but now he flat out tells him the kingdom is 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 being rent from your hands exactly how i i prophesied it and it's going to be given to david the last two things happen in verse 19 and they happen together he said that uh, that the philistines are going to overrun israel they're going to they're going to they're going to take uh the the lord is going to deliver israel with thee into the hand of the philistines and then the last thing the fourth thing that he tells them is that You and your sons are going to be with me. You and your sons are going to die in this battle. It's a semi-joyful thing. And it's a semi, it's a very, very sad thing. Okay, why do I say it's joyful? Throughout Saul's life, as we've been progressing through the book of 1 Samuel, I've tried to make very careful note of pointing out to you where Saul's heart does turn towards God. Is Saul really a believer in the one true God? Here I believe with Samuel's words, we can know that, that uh, with, with very certain fact that, that he's going to be in heaven, but that his life, w- really at the end of his life when he was searching for David every single day, was useless to the Lord because he chose that, that route of hate and, and did not believe God. He was not living by faith. But it's a very sad thing because now this, this message of judgment is saying you're not going to last and your sons are not going to last. Uh, this, is the, this is the battle that where you and your sons are going to die and, and David will take over. And so Saul is in great turmoil here. He, the rest of the chapter goes on then to, to talk about how this witch, this, this lady, tries to offer him some food. He refuses it. She tries to offer him some food again. He finally takes some nourishment, but then he has to go on his way. And, it, and the chapter ends in, in Saul's turmoil. And, and Saul is not doing well at this point. And it's because Saul is not living by faith. He's not, David is not living by faith at this point. So these two men uh, who were greatly used of God. Saul was greatly used of God. You go back and you find the battles that he won and he gave God glory for. David was used by God. At this point in both of their lives, they're not living by faith. Romans one seventeen says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So it's very easy for us to talk about two men who in You know, the same points of their life, they are not living by faith. But what we need to do is learn from these negative happenings in their lives and make the choice towards God that we're going to live by faith. But God doesn't just leave us hanging and just say, hey, live by faith. You know, you don't have any help from me. That's not what God says. We're going to look one last place tonight. I want you to turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 7, and I want us to examine one last man's life. Someone who had every reason to trust God, someone who had every reason to have faith in God, and yet he still doubted at one point in his life. That man is the man John the Baptist. Had every reason to have the forerunner of Christ still had doubt and i want you to notice as we walk through these these four verses notice not just the doubt but notice Christ's response to the doubt and what he did for John the Baptist Luke chapter 7 and verse 19 and John calling unto him two of his disciples sent them to Jesus saying art thou he that should come or look we for another when the men were come unto him they said John Baptist hath sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in the same hour he, that's Jesus, cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto, the, unto many that were blind he gave sight. And Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way, and tell John what things ye have seen and heard, how that the blind see, and the lame walk." and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor, uh, to the poor the gospel is preached. John the Baptist even, when his faith failed, what did Jesus do? He encouraged his faith. And that's exactly what's going to happen in yours and my life. When our faith is sagging, as it were, Jesus Christ, the Heavenly Father, is going to come alongside and strengthen our faith. That's how we live a life toward God, by faith. Uh, May it be that our life is characterized, and we we learn from these two negative examples, to be able to say, God, I'm making the choice to live by faith today. And may may our lives be characterized then as ones who have faith towards God. Not, Not getting into these certain circumstances that that David and Saul find themselves in. What it starts with is if you're not hearing from God, if it seems like everything's going quiet, maybe turn to heaven and say, Father, I think, I think something's wrong, and it probably starts right here. There's probably something here that needs, needs fixing, and uh, I don't know how to fix it. And so let humility be your song. Let humility be your prayer. And God will answer, God will bless as we live by faith. Let's pray, and then we'll go to prayer here together.